maturity there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm speaking only in harmonica this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm James Hunt. And this is Mad About Movie. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. We talk movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and also offer a detailed analysis of our chosen movie of the week. But don't worry, we'll warn you before we go into spoilers. And if you want to, please stay tuned till the end for our weekly recommends in which we suggest something that you need to check out as soon as you can. And don't forget... You can find all our episodes on madaboutmoviespodcast.com, and also, please, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, This week's movie of the week, Brian, is... Ron Howard's Rush. James can be a loose cannon, but in terms of raw talent, there is no better driver in the world. Why don't they make it safer? Risk of death turns people off. Who's that? It's Nicky Lauda. He's just been signed by Ferrari. Both quicker than you, it's better at setting up the car. James Hunt is a proven winner at the highest level. Is there a question? Why are you just trying to piss me off? This is an incredible battle between these two drivers. In fact, and I told Richard this, said if this movie doesn't have any songs by Rush in it, <laughs> just huge, huge missed opportunity there. Uh, no, but man, this movie was cool. Ron Howard's back at it, guys, kind of. What an endorsement. <laughs> Kind of. Ron Howard's back at it. I mean, he hasn't been back at it in a while. That's, uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think Beautiful Mind was the last decent thing he did. Uh, okay, as I look up at my Angels and Demons poster, but that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I not have taste. It's signed? It's signed by uh, Paul Bettany? Or... Yeah, it's signed by Paul Bettany, but he, I got him to whip himself three times before he... Uh... <laughs> nice. Guys, um, I think you're forgetting about a little film called The Dilemma with uh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, can you believe and, uh, he directed that? Vince no. Vaughn and Kevin James, no. isn't it? It's a, it, yeah, no, no. That's, I, what are we doing, Ron? I'm glad we're back. I'm glad he, he's back on track because, uh, boy, that's, uh, that's terrible. That's sad that that's even around, on this It took being around Arrested Development again yeah, to have him understand what, like, actual you know, art is, maybe. I don't know. I'm yeah. willing to bet that 90 to 95% of the people out there didn't, had no idea that Ron Howard directed The Dilemma. And you know what? You know? I bet he was thrilled with that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know. That's a paycheck, homie. That's the best thing. Like, he probably still was like, no, nah, that's a different Ron Howard. I was Clint Howard. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Man, I can't wait to talk about Rush. Richard and I saw this at a screening together. So we're excited, Brian, to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, we've been waiting. Hopefully they're as epic as the Now You See Me thoughts. <laughs> Same theater. We Same. Man, such good memories, Richard and I, going to that. Going to meetings, man. We got to keep those coming. We got to keep it coming. Keep the, keep the tradition alive. Wait, you guys saw Now You See Me at the Angelica? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> you didn't know that? that? so much worse. No. Yeah, we saw it at the Angelica, like the, the pristine. Oh. Yeah, so we were like legit psyched for it. Why did the Angelica <laughs> even accept that? That's terrible. Oh. Yeah, we were super psyched. Like, 
I mean, this looks <laughs> bad, but I mean, this is a cool theater, and the production company's here, and this is going to be okay. This can't be that awful. And like a minute and a half in, we were like, oh, can't, <laughs> oh. you almost just had to bleep me. We were it's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was an awesome experience, I'll say that. And just packed with people. Ugh. It was. Hey, babe. Oh. Hey, babe. Bip. Hey, babe. Bip. I got a seat for you here, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Man, great times. Man, but this is a good experience, too. And, Brian, we're stoked to talk about Rush Speaking today. Speaking of movie theater, uh, yeah. just people in movie theaters, did you notice the lady at our screen, Kent, that was, like, overly apologetic for having to walk by? She, like, walked by these people, really? like, right before the movie. Yeah. And she was like, hey, I'm sorry, I just need to get by to those two seats in the middle. I promise you, I will not walk by again. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, it's cool, whatever, yeah, that's fine. And she was like, well, I'm not a person that gets up in movies. I I can sit there the whole time. I have a great bladder. Like, I can just, I'll be great. Like, you, this is the last you'll hear from me. And they're like, no, yeah, we got it. Like, literally, like, would not let it go. And they're like, it's, it's fine, just go sit down. Right. You're yeah. making it worse. I had to share that to the world. And shout out to Rush the Movie, the marketing team and social media team behind Rush, because they did reach out to us and offer us to come see and screen the film before uh, beforehand. So thanks to them, and um, hashtag Rush the Movie if you want to shout out to them. Hopefully it's uh, more to come, so thanks for the support. Um, but yeah, we're excited to talk about this, and um, let's get movie news, rumors, and rumblings out of the way. Let the filibustering begin. Guys, man, I Brian. Yep. Get ready, man. I'm ready. Richard, bring it. Prepare yourself. This might be I've been thinking about this, if I should say it this way, but it might be. I'm I'm debating it. This might be the biggest bombshell that's ever been dropped on the movies news. Rumors and rumblings. All right, Brian, real quick, what do you think? Gruber or... <laughs> yeah, no, start, start speculation right now. It's It's got to be either Gruber, Now You See Me, uh-huh. Fast and Furious, Guardians of the Galaxy, or Star Wars. There's yeah. the only five things that we talk about, so... That's <laughs> true. So what are you going with? What are you betting? Star Wars. You're betting at Star Wars, Richard? Yeah. Oh, I got to pick something different. I kind of think of Star Wars too, but I'll pick different... I'm going to say some Now You See Me news. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. No, it's not. Oh, it's Star no. Wars. Brian, you're the champion. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this is rumor. Sad? Sorry, Ken. Before you get going, okay. is it sad that you have news about a new Star Wars movie, a good new Star Wars movie directed by J.J. Abrams, and I was still bummed you didn't have a Gruber news? <laughs> yeah. I was like, "There's a five percent chance. Maybe he knows. Maybe he knows there's a new MacGruber. There like, is, maybe... guys. MacGruber Two's happening. What? What more news do you want? Ma- is it? Yeah, it's happening. Um, but and Forte's been chilling with Val Kilmer. <laughs> no, so it. what more news do you want? But other than the fact that Forte's like might win an Oscar, apparently. <laughs> so right. that's crazy. But Good. apparently, okay. On the way. On to the Star Wars talk. Uh, by the way, did you hear J.J. Abrams has been like apologizing for lens flares? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the deal is there. I don't find them as annoying as most people Me do. Me either. I don't either, but people freak out about those things. So I guess he's just trying to calm people down before They Star really Wars. work, I think, in the Star Trek with the, just the overall I agree. aesthetic of the movie. I think they're cool. Oh, they'll be everywhere in Star Wars, and I'm going to love it, too. I love it. It's just gorgeous to me. 
I love his style. Um, but hopefully he applies some of that style yeah. to Star Wars. But let's let's get into this, man. This might be more of a more of a rumbling, actually. Word on the street, guys. Kathleen Kennedy, executive producer of Star Wars Seven, seen eating in Beverly Hills with Daniel Day Lewis. What? Wow. Yeah. So, man. thoughts so... on a possible <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis in Star Wars uh, movie? No. To, to completely steal a, uh, a thought from a tweet that we've talked about on here. Um, so is he going to like actually create a lightsaber and learn <laughs> how to use the force if he's a Jedi in this movie? Like right. that's gotta be he, it. No, right? he will use the force. In this movie. <laughs> right. Like he'll learn the force. Yeah. He's got to play like a Sith play? Lord. Right? Yeah. He There's has to no... be a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. No, no. I'd say he would be a Jedi. No, dude, come so. on. totally. No, no, he, yep. he'll be the he'll be the Daniel Benedict Cumberbatch is the Sith, and Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> is the Jedi. Maybe. Either like way, we're Jen, winning. Like the so. Liam Neeson role, the wise, the older, wiser Jedi, to the younger Ryan Gosling Jedi. Is it weird that I have trouble picturing Daniel Day Lewis having lunch? Yeah. <laughs> like. It doesn't seem like he's somebody that eats, like, human food. Yeah, so exactly it's because he was doing it to talk about Star Wars, you know? Like, why would he go out in public and meet with Kathleen Kennedy? Maybe he's living as a waiter for, like, maybe he's living as a host at a restaurant for a while. Maybe maybe he's researching a role as a normal person. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. (laughs) No, but seriously, guys, what, do Daniel Day-Lewis, how awesome would this be? Oh, that's that's a game changer. I like, think, damn, dude, yeah, guys, that's... I think he would do it. I, mean, I think he would. Well, like, we were talking about a guy that did nine, so, I mean, he's not perfect. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he definitely would give a lot of credibility to the uh, to the movie. I would right. say a- Abrams and Day-Lewis. Yeah, man. Do it. <laughs> Make it happen. I mean, it... You think they could be... afford him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> At no, this point, it, it would be the, the strangest career move, which I... <laughs> I don't know. Strange no. is probably the wrong word, but um, I mean, he makes he makes very different choices. I would say. I mean, Abraham Lincoln was was a a, a given, but all these Daniel, Daniel Plainview and Nine and and uh, everything else he does is it's kind of off the beaten path type stuff. At this point, the strangest thing he could do would be to do like a blockbuster. And if you're going to do a blockbuster, this is the one to do, isn't it? I mean, that's my exactly my point. Wouldn't you rather do Star Wars Seven right. than Transformers Four? I mean, like get if you're going to do it, pass that to Wahlberg. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder if maybe it's all coming from Spader. What if it's all coming from Spader? What if Spader's like? They're buddies now because of Lincoln, and Spader just signed on to do Avengers 2, and he's like, man, the money's awesome, and you get to work with cool people, and now Daniel Deleuze is like, I'm going to give it a shot. This, Yeah, make it happen. I want this to happen now. Yes. You I want to well, just hang out with James Spader and Daniel Deleuze now. Though, before they <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What, what Kathleen Kennedy was probably saying, she's like, Car look, crashes. Daniel, you just won the Oscar for Best Actor for the like third time in your career or whatever it is. Or a second time. So, what what more can you do? A, on, on that front, like people people aren't going to wake up tomorrow and be like, "Oh, did you hear about Daniel Day Lewis giving a great performance in that movie?" Wow, 
no one's going to care, you know what I mean? <laughs> people are going to care if you do something like Star Wars. Then that's going to get people talking. Do you know what I'm saying? Like like you said, Brian, that's the that's the career move that you need to make is do something that you haven't done and that people don't expect you to do. That's how you stay on top of your game, you know? And then yeah. he can go yeah, back to being... I don't know if he's necessarily career-minded at all, though. Like, I don't think he cares what like, the best thing for his career. I just, yeah. don't, I just don't think he's going he's gonna to do another, like... He wants to be in movies, but I don't think he wants to do another like serious like okay now I'm gonna have to live like Abraham Lincoln for a year type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, he probably but... gets tired of doing that crap, like living as somebody. Do you think? Like, yeah, but he, then when he does, he just goes away for ten years. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of his move. Yeah, um, and he waits for the perfect thing to come on. Look, if the, it, it, if this happens, it, it, it's a really good sign. Not so much that he's doing it; he's a great actor. He'll be great. But that means I don't think he does this if the script's not really good. Totally. So it like, has to be incredible, dude. The yeah, script so has to be like if the script's awesome, saying. he oh. would do it. I don't think he cares that the movie. I mean, he's gonna get paid. He in anything he does. It's not like he's doing student films. I mean, his last movie was with Steven Spielberg. I, I, I guarantee you, he made a, a good chunk of coin for Lincoln. You know what, guys? You got to think about the business of this. And Hollywood is a a business of friends, unlike any other. Daniel Day-Lewis is right in that blanket with Kathleen yes. Kennedy and Spielberg and Lucas and that whole J.J. Abrams. I mean, that that's all one family now. You know what I mean? So Daniel Day-Lewis is already a candidate for Star Wars just by the fact that he is in that blanket now with uh, you know all those – being such good friends with all those people and everything. So like you got to think they're going to go to those people first before they go out to yeah. whoever. And if Daniel Day Lewis says yes, I'll do Star Wars. And oh my gosh, like yeah, everyone's gonna be one to say yes. That's yeah. gonna take the movie to another level. I mean, like who watching what, Mark how Hamill? How much more and, awesome can this get? Like watching Mark Hamill and Daniel Day Lewis act opposite each other is really what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Two titans. Of I'm just hoping, and, and I know it's just Star Wars. This Hamill's gonna have a very limited role. I think <laughs> they're not gonna. J.J. is not going to try to pull something crazy, an Oscar out of freaking Hamill, you know? You're going to use Hamill to... They're going to use all the old characters very limited, I think, which hopefully it's just the right amount. But, man, I just thought that was an insane story, and, like, I don't, that that's just one of the names that you would never mention with Star Wars, you know? Like, who else could... We, like, Jack Nicholson would do Star Wars. <laughs> you know, like, it's just crazy to think about um, like Pacino or somebody, somebody crazy. Philip like, Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, oh, I can see. Ooh, that would be awesome, actually. <laughs> I'm a Jedi. I don't know. I'm a Jedi. <laughs> and I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, dude, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Man, Who he does no wrong in my eye. Um, what else? What else is in the news? Oh, did you hear Disney fired um, our boy Brooke, Jerry Bruckheimer? Yeah. Yeah. He's separating themselves from his. Uh, so Brian, what do you awesome. know about this? I think they're putting all their their eggs in the Star Wars basket, and there's, prob- I mean, certainly there's money to go around, but why pay Jerry Bruckheimer to to bring in movies that are not performing well with critics and really haven't done that extremely well with with the with the, the movie going audience when you're about to just break the world apart with uh, with Star Wars? So good for them. And Marvel. And Marvel, yeah, totally, yeah. I think that's all about like let's focus on the two things that are just gonna 
bring us, you know, just make bank over and over and over again, no matter what we do. Sure. Hopefully that means no more freaking Pirates of the Caribbean movies for a while or ever. Sure. That's, there's still a lot of story to be told, Brian. It's true. It's true. <laughs> there's other, you know, I heard him and Nicolas Cage are going to look for the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> no, no, no joke though. One of Bruckheimer's last movies is National Treasure 3. Awesome. It's like the new Pirates and the new National Treasure. And that's like his last movies with Disney. So, oh, so he's going to squeeze one more Pirates out? Literally? Yeah. Yeah, it's already, it's been delayed. <laughs> it's been delayed to 2015 or 16 or something. Well, that that just that delayed, just seems like, like that project's uh, destined. Considering those people, their the last movie they did with Lone Ranger, and now they've all broken up, but they still have to work together one more time. That's yeah, going to yeah, be a good. That just yeah. sounds like a good project. I, I don't. Mean, I just, the first Pirates came out in what 2002 or three? 2003. Yeah, three. And then the last one's going to come out in 2016. Are you yeah. kidding me? Well, we live in a world where there's going to be you know nine Fast and Furious, so things happen. <laughs> yeah, but nobody's complaining about that. People are complaining. If we could about... add Captain Jack Sparrow, <laughs> I'm gonna write some fan fiction later. <laughs> oh, if I never see speedboats, dude, speedboats, <laughs> guys, and I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say this. After this summer that we just went through, I'm not kidding. I, I never want to see Johnny Depp on the screen again. I agree. Not one frame of Depp. I never I... want to see. Them. He never gets to be in another movie that costs more than twenty million dollars to make. That's that's the rule at this point. Like you go do some indie projects, dude. Knock it off with the face paint and the awfulness. <laughs> Knock it off, absolutely. I just never. Yeah, he. I, he should just win it. Does he have an Oscar? No. No. So He's just give him the Oscar. Neverland. Give him an Oscar, and so he'll go away. Please, <laughs> seriously. Um, but did you hear about Jack Nicholson like retiring from acting or something, or like wanting to retire? Yeah, that been, was the uh, rumor. Yeah, it's been denied a little bit, but uh, yeah. I don't really know where it stands right now. It went away very quickly. So... Yeah. Well, he runs Hollywood, so yeah. <laughs> I have the quote saved. I'm going to pull it up um, because I have his response to it. I just can't remember what what he said specifically. Well, he, he said, um, "Sneered." Hold on. He said, I have a mathematician's brain. I'm not going to work until the day I die. That's not why I started to do this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not driven. I was driven, but I'm not. I don't have to be out there anymore. <laughs> I think we all agree with you, Jack. You're not driven anymore. But So he just doesn't care anymore, and that's crazy. Sorry, guys. Do you think I've got to plug in my computer here, so I might make some noise. Do you think there's going to be a resurgence of Nicholson? No. He kind of had it at the end of the late 90s, didn't he? He should have like, stopped and departed. That as good as he gets, and all that yeah. was not, and about Schmidt. Yeah. Like the Departed was good. Depart- the Departed is great. He's good in The Departed. That probably should have been the end of it. I think his last movie was that James L. Brooks movie, uh, How Do You Know? You remember uh, that? With yeah. Owen Wilson and Reese Witherspoon? Just a horrible movie that nobody saw. I always hate when an actor, especially of that caliber, like, that's your last movie. That sucks. Do one more something no one, good, you know? No one loves James L. Brooks more than me. Broadcast News is one of my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite things ever. And, Brian, I know you just watched that recently, and it's so yeah. good. And How Do You Know is one of the five worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't had the pleasure. 
I've seen this, guys. Awful. And I love Owen Wilson. I love everything about that movie. Who's the girl in it? Because I, oh, Reese Witherspoon? I don't like her. But I like everything about the movie. It's got the Washington Nationals in it. I mean, the freaking Expos are involved. Yes. It's got Owen Wilson as a relief pitcher. I'm in. But that is a truly, truly atrocious movie. Richard, I didn't know you were on the anti-Reese train with me. Oh, I hate Reese. I hate Reese Witherspoon, too. I get a lot of crap from my family for hating Reese because they love Reese. I cannot stand her. There's nothing to like about Reese Witherspoon. I thought the Walk the Line performance was one of the most cringeworthy things. (laughs) I couldn't stand She won an Oscar for that. An Academy Award. Like, her fake accent was just, ugh. It just it it hurt my ears. Um, I could not believe that she was awarded awarded for that accent. Unbelievable. Why don't you like Reese, Richard? I've just never liked a single movie she was in. I mean, it's nothing personal, but I just hate everything she stands for. And uh, <laughs> um, nothing well, personal. I just hate everything she. <laughs> I mean, she had an ugly. Uh, it all comes down to this, you know. She had a very ugly divorce with with Ryan Phillippe. And uh, what movie is he in? Yeah, that's true. So I'm, ob- I'm obviously going to side with him. Great. Uh, yeah. So, duh, that's it. No, I just, I don't, I find her, I, I just really. She's uh, appealing. Yeah, she, I don't get it. I, I don't, and I've seen Election and it was mad to me. I don't like Election that much, even though everyone seems to love it. Uh, Walk the Lines, but Legally Blonde's obviously just uh, an abortion of cinema. Um, there's like. What else is there that she's done? What has she done? Mud. What are the, the, oh, yeah. Um, the Christmas movie with Vince Vaughn. Wasn't she in one of those? Yeah, Four Christmases, I one think. One of those like weird three Christmas yeah. movies that he made in three years. Um, <laughs> what else is she known for? Is that it? Sweet, Sweet Home Alabama. Never seen it. Didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> she got a DUI or something last like yeah. last six months, or yeah. like she yelled at a cop. Like, do you, she gave him the "Do you know who I am?" thing, right? And she, she seems like the type of person that would do that. Yeah, like, that wasn't a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Has she Not... worked with Brendan Fraser before. I just sure. feel like she she has worked with him, or she seems like somebody that would work with Brendan Fraser. Like, is, that Monkey, weird, is that a weird Monkey Bone too? <laughs> you know like, what I don't the know. thing is. Is going back and seeing like still some George of the of the jungle as I am wont to do, <laughs> and like he was jacked and he was like immediately fat a year later. Yeah, like yeah. he got ripped for George of the Jungle and immediately lost, just gave up. Well, yeah. he he had to play Canadian in Dudley Do Right, so <laughs> he's got to be one go. first ever, right? He's he's up there and like think about like all the people that have headlined like a big movie. Like a, and I would say that like the Mummy yeah. was a big movie. Yeah, he's yeah. got to be like top three all time worst leading men. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Like, yeah. where did what? Why did he have potential in the first place? Like, yeah, well, was, airheads. Duh. Oh, airheads. Maybe <laughs> George of the Jungle. That wasn't a like. There was he was in no big movies before the Mummy. I guess. I guess that was. Yeah. Maybe the big. The big introduction to Mr. Fraser. Man, his career has... What is yeah, it's, it's not gone well for him lately, yeah. Well, I, I can't name anything he's been in in the past couple couple to 20 years. Oh, sure. man. Uh, Blast from the Past. Last thing I saw, Blast from oh, the yeah. Past with Brendan Fraser yeah. and Christopher Walken. It was actually a pretty clever movie. Not 
has its flaws, yeah. Pretty clever. <laughs> pretty clever idea for a movie, anyway. Um, um, bedazzled. Bedazzled, duh. I, is that is it, another Alicia Silverstone? Uh, no, that was a Liz Hurley. Liz Hurley, yeah, that's right. I feel like Alicia Silverstone, man, oh. and Brendan Fraser, they're, they're, it's fitting that they were in that movie together, Blast from the Past, and it's called hey, Blast from the Past. Can I read you this upcoming <laughs> upcoming film called Gimme Shelter? Oh, sure. no. Gimme Shelter is an upcoming independent film directed and written by Rob Krauss, starring Vanessa Hudgens as a pregnant teenager who runs away from her abusive mother, played by Rosario Dawson, and traces down her real father, played by Brendan Fraser. (laughs) Oh, Rosario, what are you doing? I like Rosario. James Earl Jones is in that movie, too. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that. I feel like, didn't Brendan Fraser do a... Harrison Ford movie like three yeah. years, two years ago. Extraordinary measures. Yeah. Yeah. What? I feel like that was a January release. If I it remember was. Correctly. You're correct. Yeah. And yeah. it was just like, what are they doing? What are these people doing? <laughs> what studio thought that that was going to be successful? First of all, just uh, yeah. Harrison Ford's really lucky. The Star Wars business is coming back. By the way, seriously, Brendan Fraser, 44, younger than I would have guessed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, rough. Oh my goodness, these um. Bernie I Fraser and Star Wars guys. Ugh. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. What if that's the news? We're hearing about Day Lewis and Gosling and, and, uh, and <laughs> What what could be worse than Brendan Fraser? I don't think there could be one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just sent you guys a link. You should both click on right now. It will post be it. the worst. Um. But yeah, that's our Brendan Fraser <laughs> for this week. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> Fraser Cast. This is the Fraser Cast. I'm Richard Garden. <laughs> oh no. That's the worst picture ever. Oh, <laughs> Brendan. Man. I, if I knew how to work this chat, I would click <laughs> on it. But I can't find the message. Man. Um, things aren't things aren't going well. You might want to post that on the uh oh, on the website. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh Brendan. Oh Brendan. Oh, buddy. There's, he used um, to be Steve Nebraska, man. Come on. <laughs> it's true. Oh, Brendan Fraser. You, you just, there's just sometimes you think of people that you haven't thought about in like, <laughs> so long, and you just laugh, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else you guys want to mention from movie news before we... You know what I was going to say? Yeah, the yeah. only other person that's worse that headlined the movie was Polly Shore. <laughs> and I was Dude. like, "What if they? What if they did <laughs> yeah. a movie together?" And then I was like, "Wait, I think they they did, did. Encino Man." Yeah, Dude, it's true. <laughs> Encino Man was the first movie that I went to see like by myself with my friends at the Dollar Theater over here off of wow. uh, eight twenty and uh, twenty six. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Encino by Man. What Guess up? who showed up at Edgefest uh, this past couple months ago at the in Frisco, Texas? The Weasel? Polly Shore shows up <laughs> at Edgefest for no reason. Middle of Frisco, suburb, hour and a half outside of Dallas, just <laughs> nice. Polly Shore shows up, goes on stage and just starts, he introduced like Fits in the Tantrums or something. Just, just, he was cussing like a sailor, just drunk out of his mind. He looked awful. He looked like he was just clinging onto Biodome. 
Uh, like about three or four years ago, uh, Family Video, which is a uh, you know a, a fairly decent uh, movie com- movie uh, rental place yep. in the area. Uh, they did it. They were doing a deal, a promotion. <laughs> they had Polly Shore come into one of their stores to sign autographs, and they were pushing it pretty hard. Like every time I, because I, you know, I used to go around a ton of movies, and I'd go every day, be like, "Hey, did you hear about Polly Shore? He's going to be at our South Lake branch before, uh, you know, like next week." Yeah, I, uh, I heard. I'm not going to be going, but thanks. What know? does it got to be like to be Polly's manager? All right, yeah. Polly. I got a video store in <laughs> suburb of Texas. Want you to come sign autographs. The oh, leading tower of walk- Jesus. Uh, yeah, he um, just walks into like a uh, blockbuster to sign think- autographs. That's what his career has come down. That's yeah. crazy. Do you think Charlie was right? responsible with his money? You think he know. was responsible? Do you think he was? Like, he do you think he understood that he was a bit, and that he his 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 shelf life was so short? Do you think he saved his money, or do you think he spent it like like Corey Feldman or something? I don't know his mom. I bet he spent it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be doing signings at video stores. That's just my <laughs> his, hunch. His mom ran the comedy store for forever, um, which is the biggest one of the most. Yeah. I mean, that's where Letterman and Leto and all that, and that's why he's famous because he was Mitzi Shore's son, and that's why he got gigs. Um, but I think he might actually get all that comedy store money now, which is still a pretty big club. Um, I don't know, uh, for sure. But, uh, so I, he might still have, he probably sure might be worth like 25 million. But we don't even know it. He is great. I mean, when you think of 90s <laughs> movies, you think of Pauly Shore, though. I mean, like, such a quintessential 90s like, person. They must like, have made money, a decade, right? Like, his yeah. personality did. What? Like a few of those movies must have made money. Oh I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure in just mostly in video, but still like they made yeah. enough of them. Yeah, where they made some cash. Wow, Son-in-Law was a huge, huge movie. Really, like, dude? I'm talking like every single time I went to go hang out with someone. Like, hey, now. we're gonna out. Yeah, we're gonna hang out and watch a movie together. You know, I'm not kidding. Somebody rented freaking Son-in-Law <laughs> every single time. Mine was I remember Corey Wynn was a Corey now, was a big. Corey was a big, uh, what do you call it, fan, big fan of the, of the uh, son-in-law, I think. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had the pleasure. <laughs> well, you're missing out. Son-in-law, That's... like, b- tries to be, like, borderline, like, drama rom-com. Yeah. And, wow. and comedy. It's like, what a, it's like a weird short Polly Shore movie. It's kind of, <laughs> it's definitely, like, his most serious movie. <laughs> That's something to... Uh, say I don't know. Uh, it says on the poster, awesome because by far Stephen the Baldwin. most serious Polly Shore movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, that's what I mean. It's just weird to say this is the most serious Polly Shore movie. But Biodome is great because of Stephen Baldwin and and Shore together. <laughs> uh, and they're making a Dumb and Dumber too. Why not a Biodome deal? <laughs> Seriously? No, I'm just kidding. Biodome, Biodome does not hold up well at all. <laughs> at all. I, I saw it on like HBO or something. It was. Yeah, it was bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's weird how movies hold up and don't hold up, you know? Some, like, randomly do, and some just don't work at all. It's just crazy. Yeah. Like, The Truman Show holds up, like, really well for yeah. some reason from the well, 90s. because of all the reality culture that, that it, yeah. it was sort of – it sort of was parodying reality, parodying reality culture, holding a mirror up to it before it even really existed. It's kind of an odd But, case. like, Ace Ventura – Oh, Ace Ventura is not funny at just, all. Just does not hold no. up. 
Um, it's just not funny anymore. I remember being weird. like indignant. Like when I would talk about that, like Ace Ventura, my parents and their friends would be like, oh, it's so stupid. The guy is yeah. just making dumb yeah. noises for no reason. He's such a child. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny. And I was like, no. Yeah, it's hilarious. He is a genius. Yeah. And then I was like sort of vindicated because Jim Carrey turned out to be a very talented individual. And I was just spent my whole life. Because I never watched Ace Ventura after the age of 10, being like, well, I was right about that. It was obviously a comedic classic, and Jim Carrey's a legend. And then I went back and watched Ace Ventura like three years ago, and I was like, oh my gosh. It's so awful. It's so bad. So bad. And the second one is so much worse. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I remember being so pumped when that came out, and my mom like doing the like super nice mom thing, like taking me to see it and pretending to like enjoy it, and I was just, ugh. But like, the funniest thing about the first Ace Ventura is that Dan Marino, like, he doesn't have a cameo in it. Like, he's just in the movie. And, like, why did he spend his offseason doing that? Because, like, Jim Carrey was not a big star. He was, like, the fifth guy. Like, all right, Dan. All right. We got this movie. Um, it's got the fifth. You know the white guy in a living color? He's in it. Um, it's about a pet detective. And hold on. You play yourself. And some uh, some thugs led by a transsexual ex kicker, um, they steal Snowflake the dolphin and they kidnap you the day before the Super Bowl. Luckily, the Super Bowl is taking place in Miami. Um, and anyway, I know you haven't won a ring, and it's like 1993, and you still have some years left in your prime, and you could probably be training. Uh, but if you could just spend five and a half weeks on set with that uh, guy from In Living Color. I think we'll, we'll make, you know, you can make like 200 grand. You in? And he was like, sounds like a great idea. You know, like, how weird is that? Yeah. That is kind of true. Like, if. And how Brett if, Favre's randomly in something about Mary, too. Yeah. It's like, at least what? Like the Fairly Brothers, that was a big movie. Like, Ben Stiller's yeah. breakout movie. The Fairly Brothers had just come off Dumb and Dumber. Like, that, yeah. you can kind of, that's a big, big budget. And he's in that movie for I'm like. I'm just saying it's a random like, cameo. Yeah. I mean, it's just a it random. It would be like. Hey, Tom Brady, um, we're doing this movie about a guy, he's a bird watcher, uh, and he, he's a little crazy, he's really into his birds, um, Bobby Moynihan from SNL, he's the lead, um, and anyway, if you could just give us, oh gosh, you'll be done with the Super Bowl in February, maybe give us like March, April, and part of May, and you'll have a big part in this movie, so you in? Like, what? He would never say yes to that. I'm you fascinated. Know what, guys? With, I'm fa- like, how much money did Dan Marino lose? Who did he owe a favor to? Why is Dan Marino in that movie? You know what? You Sorry. need to ask that to Shaquille O'Neal and ask that to Kevin Durant for doing a movie called <laughs> Thunderstruck. That, right. I don't know if we've mentioned, but They're actually the exists. They're the it lead. actually exists. And that kind of incorporates NBA marketing and all that stuff. And but and Shaquille O'Neal wanted to be a movie star. He's the lead in those movies. This is like the fifth lead. But they could have been trained. Kevin Durant could have been freaking shooting hoops and not doing Thunderstruck. That's what uh, I was, if you're making having, that point. Having recently seen three minutes of Thunderstruck on HBO, that movie took three days to film. So <laughs> I don't think I don't think it took that much time out of his training schedule. Anyway, look out for uh Birds are watching, starring Bobby Moynihan <laughs> and Tom Brady coming out next year. It's gonna be huge. It's gonna be good. They actually made that. It was. It starred Steve Martin and uh, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Owen Wilson yeah. last year, Jack Black. Yeah, that's yeah. right. What a weird movie that was. Yeah, The Big Year. That's what it was called. About bird watching. Random. Awful. What the heck is going on? Um, yeah, guys, let's. You want to move on? You want to talk about. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I heard about this thing with Nikki. Everyone has. James, do you think you can cope with the pressure? To be a champion, you have to really believe it. You're just a party guy. You're killing yourself there. You're too far back. I'm quicker than all of you. I'm James It's over. Let's Dude. do this, man. You Let's you saw this movie today, you say? I saw it today. Today. And uh, I, I loved it. I'm just going to okay. say it. I'm just going to well, put it let's... out there right now. I loved it. Okay. Well, before Richard and I talk about uh, our experience, uh, just talk us through uh, your experience seeing Rush and uh, what you thought besides love it. Man, has there ever – I mean, A, has there ever been a movie about Formula One that mattered – because the only one I could think of was that one with Stallone and the guy from Remember the Titans, and I think it was called Driven? Speed. Or Driven, is that what yeah. it was called? I think yeah. it was called Driven. Okay. The Sunshine and Stallone. Yeah, yeah, Kit Pardue. Remember that guy? Jeez. He was on Mad Men last year. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I love Remember Sunshine. the Titans, by the way. Me too. Okay, anyway. Right. Coach Stark's classic. Yeah. Classic. That's the only movie I could think. Of. What was? You think nah, football is fun? That was uh, zero fun, Sarah. Sorry. Good. <laughs> no. So hey, way to go, Ron Howard, making Formula One super interesting to Americans like me that would never watch a Formula <laughs> One race. Um, I mean, just brief thoughts. Uh, Chris Hemsworth 
is a freaking movie star, and I know we've talked about that before, and Richard and I were texting about it earlier today, but um, I think it's just so cool to see the birth of a new movie star because I like we get further and further away from relevance of movie stars every day, I think, uh, because we're, we're getting more and more to where movies that matter, they matter because of the franchise value or the recognition value of the property. Um, and I don't, I just, I can't think of when the last time was that we had, that we watched the birth of a movie star the way we are Chris, Chris Hemsworth right now, but that guy's a, that guy's a star that there's just no other way to put it. Um, and, uh, Dude, like, movies are better when Ron Howard is a relevant director. I really... I don't know yeah. where I would put him in the pantheon of the great directors because he certainly has some some stinkers to his credit and a lot recently, given that three of his last, like, four movies are The Dilemma and the two uh, Da Vinci Code movies. Um, but the thing about Ron Howard is he makes... Ron Howard makes blockbusters for adults, and I, I, when he's making, when he's at the top of his game, and he's he's making this sort of movie, I just think he makes the entire movie going experience as a whole better, because you know that somewhere out there, yeah, we just came out of these. I mean, September sucked. There was almost nothing. I looked at my blog the other day, and I I've been writing a lot of stuff. I've been writing movie stuff and stuff about my kid and life stuff and things like that. I haven't written a movie review since Elysium because there hasn't been anything that's come out that I wanted to watch. And then I, you know, I saw that, or that I wanted to write about. And I, I saw this today and it was just like, yeah, man, movies are awesome. Like I'm back into it. This is, this is great stuff. I really like this movie a lot. Great. Good. Good to hear, man, because Richard and I, um, Sort of similar to Now You See Me screening, mm-hmm. uh, our thoughts coming out, except for that <laughs> it was probably the f- complete opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there was an exact opposite, I think that's what um, our feelings are rush. I mean, I was just, like you said, Brian, I was kind of on a on a little high there when I left. I loved it. But first of all, uh, guys, you know how much I love Hemsworth talk. You got to get yeah. in on that on that Hemsworth texting, guys. Sorry, I don't um, know why we were just texting each other. That yeah, we were talking about something else. Sorry. Yeah, I know you guys like to keep your thoughts about Hemsworth private, and that's fine <laughs> right. because I like to keep it private too. But we can share in our love together. It's okay. <laughs> that's, what, that's what friends are for. But, Man, so but the guy's awesome. The guy he is. Awesome. And like, and we were can't we to bring you in on the discussion. We the the last guys that we could think of that are true movie stars. Who have who have kind of risen up over the last? I mean, really, it's not the last few years. It's been over a decade, but it's it's Damon and and DiCaprio. Those are the the last two guys that I really feel like you can say these guys are movie stars. And it's happened over the last, you know, the recent past. Anyway, there's just really interesting Tarantino quote when he's talking about Inglorious Bastards, and he says that he was excited to work with Brad Pitt. Because he didn't think of Brad Pitt as an actor. He thought of him as a movie star. And he was like, and that is not an insult. He goes, movie stars are much fewer and far between than great actors. Like, totally. That's what he said there's about a, Travolta, too. Yeah. yeah. He was like, there's, there's a well, lot. He's wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> I but, hate Chuck uh, Travolta. <laughs> Sorry. It's great Pulp Fiction. So. But, yeah, right. no, he is. And, and he's great, according to a lot of um, massage parlor guys I know. But... <laughs> Why are you laughing? You know a lot of massage parlor guys? <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of subtext in that statement. I apologize. Uh, 
No, but you know, like that's that's true. I can think of like twenty guys that I think are really great, talented actors, and I can think of three guys maybe that are movie stars, like in their prime. You know, Jack Nicholson's a movie star, but he's sixty-seven, and Harrison Ford's a movie star, but he's or Jack Nicholson's older than sixty-seven. But you know, like in their prime movie stars, like we said, it's like even Clooney kind of feels a little like a he's kind of left movie stardom behind yeah, and totally. just a really great older actor. Yeah. You can still totally carry a movie, but there's something more like now I think like DiCaprio's there. Damon is there, but Damon's starting to fade out, I think. Yeah. Um, who in Hemsworth, I think, is really kind of the next guy. Gosling really, is getting uh, up there, though. Downey Jr.'s there, uh, and, and Downey Jr.'s there, and Gosling's there. Um, but I, and, think Go- I think of Gosling as an actor. I don't think of him. I will go see any movie that Gosling is in, but it, that's a. Right. I don't. I think that our, the way we feel is different than the general public. I think people go see Gosling movies because Ryan Gosling is an attractive guy, but I, it's not the same thing. I don't think he can carry a hundred million dollar movie on his own. And I think he could. I just think he needs to decide to do it. He may okay. never do that. That, that could be. A, it's yeah, kind of like Depp, sure. right? Depp was a movie star in 1995. He just didn't feel like doing it. He didn't sure. decide to be a movie star until 2003. Yeah. And he's and he's in, in same. I th- I think of, of Depp and Gosling as very similar people. Hopefully, yeah. uh, Gos, Gosling's second act of his career is not right. quite as as uh, frustrating as Depp's. But Depp is. I think Depp was every bit a movie star doing weird movies, and then okay. in 2002 was like, I'm gonna do this pirates thing. Yeah, it became so. Okay. movies. So yeah. the, I think Gosling has that. I just don't think he's yeah. activated it yet. It's like dormant movie stardom. And, sure. But you're totally right too in that his career. Right now, it's just kind of actory, but yeah. Hemsworth is there. I, he's he, you know, he's got some cool stuff on the horizon. It sounds like look, I, we were talking about this. Like Kenneth Brownell, for some reason, was let go from. I don't know if it was his choice or Marvel's choice from the new Thor, but him and Hemsworth, like Thor, was a good movie. Like think about how once again, I mean, imagine selling this premise to Dan Marino. It's about <laughs> uh, you know Nordic Norse god. It, you know, it's a great comic book plot, but it sounds like a ridiculous movie. And they made it not only watchable, but like a good movie. Like that's a, I like Thor. Thor is one of my yeah. favorite Marvel movies. It's an awesome movie. I'm psyched for the sequel, even though Brown's uh... And <laughs> sorry. And uh, but and I think so. You know, that's a lot of Brandon. I think he made that really a cool movie. But a lot of that's just Hemsworth. You know, you watch Avengers, and Downey just steals every scene he's in, and he's just you know ten levels above, especially someone like Chris Evans or Mark Ruffalo. But the only person that like holds his own totally with him is is Hemsworth, and I think yeah. that that was when I realized like, oh, this guy's gonna. I will be watching this guy in ten years, even when yeah. he's not like as good, impossibly good looking as he is now. He's just incredibly charming, and uh, this movie was like, oh yeah, this guy's solid. And, and like, and that not Daniel Bruhl certainly gives like the more actory, you know, yeah. movie. But like to me, Hemsworth is more like. Brule's incredible and he's great, and I but I can see a lot of guys do that, and that's an incredible skill, and I could never do that. It's he's unbelievable, right? But like I don't get to see Hemsworth like movie stars in their prime, yeah. like I do with Rush. That was just well, fun to watch. And I mean, no, I mean I think that's the perfect example because I think Brule is headed towards like Gary Oldman, you know, or, exactly. or George, something like that. Whereas Hemsworth is Tom Cruise, which I yeah. think Tom Cruise is the ultimate movie star. Yes, that's yes. I mean. That's what we're, 
And if you haven't listened to this podcast before, understand we mean that in the highest, we say that in the highest regard because we yeah. have great affection for, for Tom Cruise. But um, it's just such a rare thing these days to have a movie star and to have one, especially who is like, I mean, he's 30. And so, I mean, he's just yeah. reaching the stand, you know, that standpoint of, of being a, a movie star. And it, it's cool. So anyway, it's cool to watch. Sorry, we got into like a major tangent there, but um I don't know, I lo- man. I just love this guy, and I I want to see him in everything and uh, or in nothing, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, but no, he he uh, he's outstanding, outstanding in this movie, and and he kind of overshadows how great uh, Br- Daniel Brühl is, which is kind of unfortunate for that guy. But um, I don't know, man. man. I I this is definitely Hemsworth's best performance. I mean, this is the the one movie you can hand somebody and say watch this this guy's a good actor and not it's not some like red dawn or or thor or something you know it's not some movie star movie you know this guy's acting in this movie and it's it's good to see him act and still have the same charm and charisma as he has when he is hitting somebody with a giant hammer you know so yeah and this is just a really cool movie it's just a cool movie you know it's um Ron Howard just brought a lot of style to this, and I really enjoyed it. And he really kind of took, I think, some cues from the Fast and Furious franchise, and you know, <laughs> a lot of the art- more artistic movies that have come out, like the David Finchers and the, you know, the Roger Deakins shot movies, Coens of the world, and really added some style to to how he shot this, and and made it realistic, and it is very, very realistic. Yeah, and we'll go into more spoilers there in, in a little bit. But I mean, Daniel Brühl absolutely carries this movie, I think, and I, th- I, hands down, is the best performance in the movie. I think he's just, I although Hemsworth is good, I just think Brühl is just that much better in every aspect in this movie. But um, he, I really enjoy the relationship that forms between the two characters, um, the friendship kind of, and the you know rivalry between the two. Racers is great. The action scenes are awesome. I love the climax action scene with the rain. It looked incredible in the theater. But there's also some some stuff I didn't quite know why they did it that certain way. But that's my general thoughts. Uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on, on Rush? Big fan, big fan. Um, definitely going to be in my we top. We didn't talk about it much at the, after the screening. No, we didn't. We were going to save it. So. So what were you, what are the thoughts you're holding back at, immediately after you saw it? What were you thinking? Uh, I, I I was I think I went home and I told everyone that how much I loved it. Um, you did. You tweeted about it. You yeah. never tweet things like that. No, yeah. I mean, I really really liked it a lot. It'll definitely be in my top something of the year. If it's not, then it's going to be a really great winter. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything this year I liked as much. Ooh, I don't know. Um, but. Uh, Really, really well directed. Really good script. The, my biggest critique would be on the script, though. There's a lot of um, a lot of telling and not showing, like you know that script writing rule. I'm not trying to like I'm not talking inside baseball here, but like you know, there's the thing where you, you show a character's traits and that you don't have them in dialogue. And there's a lot of like literally like describing each other. Like, well, you're just a wild card that races. Uh, just like you live and you live yeah. wildly. Oh yeah? yeah, well you're an uptight guy. 
who just goes by the numbers and like they literally like describe each other back and forth. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty annoying. Um, But that's a pretty small quarrel. And uh, in, in every character is like that. He talks like to Olivia Wilde. He describes her to her, <laughs> um, and uh, I just think that would be really awkward in real life. Like, yeah, I, I got it. I know who I am. Um, but really, I mean, funny, really funny, especially the first act. Um, in in two different types of kind of really interesting um, thematic structure, in that you have kind of two protagonists. And they both yeah. serve at different times of antagonists for each other. Yeah. And but neither of them are really bad or neither of them's really good and you root for both of them at different times. And like normally that's that's super hard to pull off. And that's like normally impossible. There's, there's a reason we have these sort of structures going all the way back to like Greek tragedy, because they work. Right. And uh, and and so the to have it somebody uh, somebody taping you up, Richard? That's not me. Oh, that Ryan, is somebody Sorry. taping you up? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I was worried about you, man. That's all. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Richard. Anyway, so to have that uh, to have that kind of dual antagonist-protagonist thing was, I think, added a lot of d- difficulty to the movie, degree yeah. difficulty, and the, the way they pulled it off is great in exposing, uh, you know, their weaknesses without going to spoiler territory at different times structurally throughout the movie very strategically very just awesome just a great movie i I really i can't believe i haven't seen it again yet i want to see it over the weekend of course because america is awful it finished third and didn't make very much money but i think it'll do really well worldwide sure it's it's because it's a movie about formula one racing which america doesn't give two flips about unfortunately but it's really not because it's a great movie i think i think next weekend it'll do just as well yeah i don't think Usually a movie will drop 40, 50% on weekend, yeah. weekend two. I think it'll drop 25 to 30, maybe. Yeah. I think well, it'll, and good word of mouth. This is, and this is, this is the type of movie that gets kind of a surprise Oscar nomination and then gets a re-release before yeah, the, yeah. the Oscars and people actually go see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Formula One thing is going to scare people off just because nobody gives her. But did you guys see the production budget on this? Yeah, not that much. Thirty eight million. Yeah, much at all. Thirty eight yeah. million. I mean that's uh I think well, hey, good for them because it wasn't gonna make that much money here, but I think that kind of sh- I, I man, that's that's Ron Howard right there because he makes a this is such a great an incredibly well shot movie with some insanely good uh action sequences and it only costs that much to make. Like, and, that's, and, yeah, and a quite period the achievement. Piece. And yeah, period pieces yeah. are aren't cheap either. And yeah. but the, you know, you don't really have a I mean, I don't know what Hemsworth Hemsworth's quote is right now, but it's probably still reasonably low. Brawl's probably five cheap. million or something. Yeah, you get, so you get your actors cheap, and then you the rest is probably just renting those cars and the and getting right. the location shots. Um, no, yeah, I'm still I can't believe you know if you had told me this movie was fifty million dollars to make, I would have been like that's pretty cheap for yeah. the quality of the movie. So the fact sure. that they were twelve million less than that. It's right. incredible. They'll definitely make their money back. Um, I, I can see this making a hundred million worldwide, uh, especially in you know Germany and uh, places where this is a big deal. But gosh, awesome, so good. Yeah. This this does this should get an Oscar nomination if they do ten movies. Like I said, if there's nine better movies than this this year. Ten better movies than this uh, rather. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's such a tough competition, man. There's no, it art. is. I'm just yeah. saying, if there's ten better movies, then it's going to be really, really good because. I was thinking about it. I could think of like seven that I think will be better. Yeah. Um, but I can think of ten, but... You, can um, you? 
Okay. Uh, they, it wasn't on my initial list that I made. And those, all of the movies on there, maybe arguably Mud, you could knock off for Rush. But uh, Mud's there's just better. so many movies that, like, there's this year is just too good. I mean, yeah, but let's I talk think, in December, you know. Look, I think uh, two or three of those are going to disappoint us. They always do. Yeah, yeah. Usually I think. do. But, I mean, Rush is sitting at, what, 80-something percent? Yeah. And I think disappoint me, as far as the expectations I have now, is 80-something percent, you know. So I think, well, it'll be... We'll have to see, but you know it's it's such a tough year. Hopefully, I mean this is a great movie. This is this is easily if you were gonna put the ballot in now, this is top three or maybe even yeah, number yeah. one. Yeah, but it's just such a tough year. But like you were saying on the on the budget stuff, man, it just goes to show it's such traditional techniques that were used uh-huh. in this movie. Yeah, and it just shows how how good traditional techniques are for like strapping a camera onto a car and driving really fast, you know, that still works. Um, you don't need all that CGI, even though they use CGI sparingly here, mainly in the sequences where they'll like go through the engine and show the engine starting up from the inside of the engine. Uh, they use that to great effect in this movie. I really like that touch. A lot of little cool montages here, kind of seventies style montages, Mm -hmm. but it kind of annoyed me. And it's one of my complaints of the movie, like at the the very beginning of the movie, where you start to meet Brule and and Hemsworth, and you get a sense that they're big rivals, and like, all right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna beat you. No, I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna beat you. And it leads up to the race, and then they start their engines, and then like they show the cars start off, and then it, like a title comes across the screen. It's like first race, uh, Lauda wins. Blah 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 blah. And then it goes to another race, and it <laughs> yeah. shows like a subtitle. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a montage of all races, which I which I wouldn't mind. Just show me one race first, then yeah. give me the montage, and then yeah, show me another race. You know what I mean? The very first yeah. racing we got in the movie was a montage. So I was a little let down there. But I really did enjoy the little, little montages. The way they used editing in this movie was great. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just this, very this well doesn't edited. get a, at least the best editing nomination mm-hmm. i'll be pretty shocked but i mean ron howard actually you know before in pre-production for this movie he rode in a formula one car you know around a track and stuff and you can really tell with how the movie was shot that he wanted to give it that feeling you know mm-hmm. and i think yeah he succeeded so much for for it not being in imax 3d you know he succeeded in kind of that immersive experience yeah which is cool and it's good to see ron howard doing Stretching himself a little bit. I mean, Apollo 13 is a good movie. It's a really good movie. And it's just sad that he didn't make more movies like that. I mean, he made A Beautiful Mind and that, what, one best picture and all that. But, like, that's just a different thing. And I like seeing Ron Howard make blockbusters, you know. Unfortunately, this wasn't financially a blockbuster yet. But I think, you know, too, that, uh, you know, this is great prep work for the new Dan Brown movie he's doing. (laughs) <laughs> Inferno, yeah. I mean, it's uh, so sad. But I've been following this production for a long time. I mean, Ron Howard was tweeting the yeah, entire he tweets about it constantly. production yeah. of Rush. And it was awesome to see the final product after seeing a thousand twit pics and Instagrams of the, you know, on the set and everything and him editing it and recording, you know, music and all that. It's just really cool to see this movie come together. And he did it while he was doing Arrested Development, which is cool. He was doing a voiceovers on the on the off days of Rush, which is 
pretty crazy. I mean, I'm sure it's been a whirlwind year for, for Ron Howard. But um, what did you like specifically? What scenes did you like, Brian, specifically, besides the ones that have been mentioned already? Is there anything that sticks out? Uh, um, no, I mean, you guys you guys hit it. The, the interaction between Hunt and uh, and Lauda is is outstanding, and I, I really did enjoy... I felt it was it was uh, developed very organically, you know. I mean, we did get you, you're right, Richard. There was too much exposition, but uh, it didn't feel, at least as far as like their relationship, it didn't feel forced. Um, and I, I, I enjoyed the the rivalry between them. Nothing that the movie does feels like it's trying to elicit emotion from you. And I I was I appreciated that because it definitely really? could have been the type of movie that like is playing up the, you know, the, the soft music and trying to get you to, to get emotionally invested because, you know, it, it's, you, you should be able to get invested in this regardless. I mean, it's a pretty, uh, the stuff, what happens with Lauda is, is, uh, is pretty terrible, terrible. And, uh, yeah, so spoilers you coming to... up right now. Spoiler, spoiler zone. Here we go. Go ahead, Brian, talk about it. What happens? Yeah. Well, I mean, at some point they get into a, a, their, their competition gets so heated that uh, they push one another to the point that on a, a wet track, Lauda ex- basically blows up his engine and and uh, wrecks and catches on fire and has some substantial burns to his face and all over his body and in his lungs and has to go through this you know extensive treatment. Like probably the most horrifying thing that I've ever seen on the screen <laughs> when they're. Yeah. Man, vacuuming his lungs. Richard like. and I were together <laughs> watching. I mean, I thought Richard was going to leave. It, it got the theater just got sick. I mean, yeah. you could feel the like the groan, the audible groan in the theater during the pumping the lungs oh, and pulling the band, pulling the bandages off his oh. face and everything. Oh it my was, gosh, it was rough. We were squirming in our seats. And I don't think you were. I felt like a huge pansy because i was like i mean it was hard to watch i I wasn't probably literally squirming but i mean mentally i was was squirming i was i I kept having to look down i was like okay i I couldn't watch it that was that was something out of a saw movie dude i've been watching freaking (laughs) evil dead and you're next all year and stuff i I can handle a bandage now but it's just it's awful i mean it was easily the most grotesque thing that i've seen in a serious movie this year for sure it's it was very real and you know, hats off to them for telling that story, though, and making yeah. it real. You know, that yeah. guy, Nikki Lauda, the real Nikki Lauda, deserved it to be told that way. And, you know, it's just yeah. really cool way to tell a story about racing. I mean, racing is a really big thing. I mean, in America, it, it's NASCAR is big just because of rednecks. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it has the title as biggest spectator sport. That's just because a lot of people go watch them live. Okay, it's not the biggest sport in America. I don't care what you say. But yeah, internationally, fast. yeah, internationally, like soccer and racing are the biggest, and here they're not. But I mean, like, I just it's just really cool that they told the story this way with a really cool international story. I mean, it's racing's crazy when you think about it. You know, these yeah. people were going over yeah. 200 miles an hour for our play, our pleasure to watch them rock, go fast and crash and everything. I mean, it's crazy right. to think about. And it's just a really good movie. I mean, it's just been yeah. a while. We went through this whole summer, guys. Blockbuster after blockbuster. Throw, you know, buildings blowing up. I mean, we probably watched eight hours of demolition this summer. You know? <laughs> that was, and that was just Man of Steel. Right. Yeah. 
and World War Z. I mean, the list goes on. But this movie felt just more bigger, better than all those, you know, as far as action and drama and everything. This movie should have been released in July. Yeah. It should have, you know. (laughs) It's just a shame. It'll probably get an – probably going for an Oscar-type thing here, but this movie could work both ways. And I I think they knew it wouldn't draw huge in America, so. Yeah. Yeah. But I just – this movie's exciting, and it just got me pumped for – yeah, yeah, I would make a, an action movie that's actually a good drama too. You know, it's, right. it has a lot to offer, like and it's yeah. funny. Like, like I said, said blockbuster yeah. for adults. That's the thing. That's what he did. That's what I think Ben Affleck is going to end up being. I, I I think that he will is is hoping to follow in the Ron Howard footsteps. And then it's um, weird. Yeah, it's weird that I think Ron Howard's sort of going that direction though, because Ben Affleck makes rated R movies. I don't think Ron Howard's in the rated R business, really. And this is rated uh, R. Is he? Ransom was rated R. Well, I mean, um, I feel like... I mean, I, I think he'll never... do it if the, if the movie calls for it. You know, if the, the older he matter, gets, I feel Ross, like he's Ross more... Frost Nixon was, was R. This um, movie could have easily... Oh, I forgot he did that. That was a good movie. Frost yeah, Nixon Frost was Nixon's a good movie. I always forget that was him. Yeah. You no, I think he'll do it if the subject matter calls for Don't you think... What? Say that again. You could you could easily make Rush PG thirteen. He could have made this movie. Cut out you the nudity, could, cut out the would... boobs, and cut out some of the violence. But I'll tell you what, like yeah. I hate, I really like I'm I'm sensitive to because of my job and because of you know work with kids and all that stuff. Like I'm sensitive towards that sort of thing, like gratuitous nudity, nudity, and I didn't feel like it was at all. Like no, I, I, I felt I, like I don't think so either. It, it was saying, like very much in keeping with the story. Yeah, so I could. He could have made this more blockbuster friendly is all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. But not to its detriment. I think it works yeah. here for sure for an Oscar-type caliber movie. Right. But you could have made this into a big, you know, Chris Hemsworth stars in Rush movie. Yeah. You know, it's really weird how they marketed this, and it's just crazy how it all turned out. But I think it's just a great movie, and hopefully it lasts until Oscar season. It's just right. – I'm just so nervous at this point. What it's gonna, what's gonna happen? I mean, and and we're lucky to be doing a podcast this year for this. I mean, this is a year unlike any other. Where, yeah. I mean, in the years past, we, it's been we've been struggling to find movies to nominate. You know, yeah. It's I like, think oh, Avatar made a lot of money, so it gets a nomination. You know, right. it's like not that really that good. But um, this year, it's just too many good movies are coming. It is going to be tight. Just, one one thing tight. that this has going for it, though, is that it's the first, and I think I think that that's what Argo does had have going for some. It. Yeah. yeah, it does have a little bit of of cash when it comes to or cash it however uh, when it comes to the time to to get down to ten movies, you're gonna forget the ones you're gonna forget some of the ones that come between the first one and the movies that come out between Thanksgiving and and Christmas. You know what I mean, like. We're probably going to get six movies between Thanksgiving and Christmas that get an Oscar nomination. And if there's four more, then they're going to be collected from elsewhere. Uh, some of those movies in October are going to get forgotten because that's are just you, the way are, it goes. Are you, are you saying that the family will get forgotten? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, I hope not. De Niro deserves another uh, another one. No, come on. Um, Did you see that one, Brian? No, I haven't. Looked terrible. Well, that doesn't stop you most of the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, producer Steven was super pumped for that. And it was like, I, he took it really hard when I told him it was probably going to be bad. He thought it was like this big De Niro movie. 
It's like, it's great. It looks like he's fighting bad guys. And <laughs> like, see, that's a terrible movie. He's like, oh, really? I thought it was like his return to Oscar form. Like, uh, do you see the trailer? The family is sort of the man with the iron fists of 2013. You know, <laughs> how, how that movie had like Tarantino's name attached. You're like, well, yeah. maybe it could be good because it's sort of like something that Tarantino's yeah. done. And it. Steven yeah. was pumped about that one too. Yeah, so. <laughs> he was. But yeah, they ended up both being awesome. So I mean, yeah. man with the iron fist pod coming next week. Um, what else do you guys want to talk about? Throughout? Anything you didn't like, Brian? Yeah, you guys mentioned the exposition, and that's the thing. I could live with that. Honestly, the part that drove me the craziest was the announcer, like during the Grand Prix events and stuff. Yeah, I did not there's need too many announcer. news reporters. Yeah, I, well, I, just, I didn't need the track announcer telling me what was happening as I was watching it on the screen. You know, yeah. like I can tell the weather sucks, and I can tell that he's about to spin out, things like that. Like I don't, I don't need that guy talking about it. I. I Especially in the final race, it could have been just completely silent with just the sounds of the track. And it would have been, in my opinion, would have been probably even more uh, impactful. Great idea. Yeah, good idea, man. But this, like like we said, man, this movie, it was awesome. Um, Richard, I know you enjoyed it. And Ryan, you enjoyed it. What is your grade, Brian? I'm going to give it an A. Just straight Richard, up. Richard, A. A? Is it A sauce? Guys, I'm going to give away my first A-plus in the history of this oh, movie. Wow. wow. Man, I'm glad you liked it this much. I was I was convinced that I was going to like this, and Richard was going to leave and be like, yeah, it was now, now you see me all over again. And, <laughs> and I was just going to like secretly like it. You know? <laughs> but, you know, I am glad you liked it. Like, there's been – is it on your top list? I mean, you've got The Way Way Back. We've got – what else? World's End. Is it is it number one over those? Uh, yeah, I, th- yeah, I think I liked it more. It's just more ambitious, harder movie to pull off than both of those. So I would, I would give it the, the nod. So yeah, probably my favorite movie of the year so Sweet. far. Awesome. Until this weekend. Um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be crazy to see what happens. Uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give it an A, a solid A. I could give it four and a half stars, but there are things I would change about it if I was, editing it or doing it something you know what i mean like there were yeah. there are things that that bugged me so it can't get an a plus in my eye but it was very good it was great performances by everyone and uh yeah hopefully maybe we'll see a uh, daniel brule or yeah you think nomination. Brule, you think, i think brule i, I think brule has a shot as yeah i do too i do a, a chance because i don't think that's the type no. of performance they're looking for no. and i'm fine with that it's it's a different type of thing he's doing but i think brule has a chance i i, I wouldn't mind seeing him nominated at all I think it was very mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I do think it will be up for a lot of technical awards, though. Oh, yeah. Totally. But Should I think... Uh, and and Ron, Ron Howard has proven uh, more than maybe any other director, he is he is a Mr. Inside Hollywood. So don't be surprised if this gets a lot of nominations, even if at the end of the year we don't think it's as good after seeing everything else. Because Ron Howard knows how to campaign for those awards. I promise you that. It's true. And it's true. You can't... It, Hollywood does like Ron Howard, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that is, he does have that on his side. Um, so, guys, let's move on. And let's do Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. All right, let me go first this week, guys. Um, my favorite show maybe of all time. I can't believe I haven't recommended it on here. Richard, I'm stealing it. I'm sorry. 
Pardon the Interruption, starring Tony Kornheiser, oh. <laughs> Michael Wilbon, <laughs> on ESPN. Arguably the best sports show on TV. No, actually it is the best sports show on oh, TV. Yeah. Um, I can't go a day without... Uh, I TV it every day, and I, I either watch it live or watch before I go to bed or something. I can't really go to bed before I watch that day's PTI. Um, unless either Kornheiser or Wilbon aren't on, in which case I don't watch. Yeah, but now Big Sexy Wilbon, uh, Big Sexy uh, Whitlock's Whit- back Whit- at the Whitlock is the closest staying to a yeah. Wilbon replacement. Yeah. I can stay, I can, I'm down with Whitlock. Yeah. But I can't do the Bob Ryans of the world no. and the, no, just, just, just Levitard, no, no. Let our listeners know that we consider Kornheiser to be a, a godfather of this podcast. It's true. He is our uncle. Yeah. <laughs> he officially adopted us. So that's good know, news, totally. Uncle Tony. Oh, he, uh, he had out. a great line today. I forgot what it was. Ah, darn it! I'd love to say it, but I don't remember. But pretty much everything he says. He's really good like, opinions on movies. He does. He, he really does. He's he really, really good take. Yeah, he did. He shouted out Rush this week. He said it was, it was solid. He, he, uh, he. I think he liked Gravity, but I think he left with like twenty minutes to go. And yeah. I know. And then. There's something else that he saw that he really. Oh gosh, it doesn't matter. But Sorry. Basically, the format of the show is just um, it runs down the list of topics for the day in the world of sports and sometimes entertainment, and they do one minute per topic. So it's just back and forth, uh, two guys talking topic to topic, really rapid fire style, really good sh- entertaining show. It's been on forever, so if mm-hmm. you're not on board now, I mean, if you're not on board yet, get on board now because it'll probably be on for for a long time. I will and say it's just awesomeness. I'm not kidding. To support your recommend, I consider PTI to be the most important show of my lifetime. Because, (laughs) I'm not kidding, I remember when it debuted, it was right after 9-11, I was home from school, and I I saw it, and it literally, I had never seen anything like, I know it sounds really stupid, because it's a show with two old guys yelling at each other about sports, but like, I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never seen anyone really intellectualize sports on that level. And it was like, I, and I, obviously I didn't think this at the time, me 15, I didn't know what that word, intellectualize probably even meant. But I just, it really hit me in a weird way. And I remember I had money saved up for my birthday. And then basketball season started, so I wasn't going to be able to be home at, at 4.30 every day, which is where it airs here. So I went and I took all my birthday money and I bought the first TiVo. <laughs> Literally just so I could take PTI every day. And I bought a TiVo and hooked up to my thing, and then TiVo changed my life because I was able to tape everything and watch all this different stuff. But it was literally, I bought TiVo in like 2001 solely to watch uh, PTI. So total game-changing show for me. As for me as well, Richard, I I also, I mean, I work in sports now, so Mm -hmm. and I also do radio and... Other things, so so I mean, obviously, huge influence on my life as well. So I mean, just a great, a great show. I mean, it's just intellect, like you said, it's just intellectualized. Something like a game, like sports, was really eye opening. So definitely, dude, TiVo PTI. It's a good, great little daily twenty five minute catch you up on what's going on show. And every show now is stolen from it, right? Yeah, it is in well, podcast form too. So you can download yeah. the PTI podcast. It's the show, basically, just the audio of the show. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. If you if you prefer, um, so Brian Gill, we can recommend. Yeah, my uh, my recommend this week is a book that I read 
on my iPad because I'm from the future now and uh, I can read an e-reader type stuff, which I've never done before. So I've, I'm like eight years behind everybody else, but that's that's fine. Um, it's called Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, it's about the nerdiest thing that I've ever <laughs> that I've ever recommended. And yet, I think that almost anybody would enjoy reading it. Yeah, like it's, it's got a, good, good read. Has oh, I've heard about this four book. Four and a half stars. I have heard about this book. I'm not kidding. It's a bit about video games or something? Yeah. 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 It's uh, So just the general gist is it's, it's, I think it's 2045 and the world sucks because, you know, the world has to suck in the future. There's no chance of it not. So, um, and everybody is poor. And but there's this video game called The Oasis that everybody is hooked into, and some people are hooked into like all of the time. And school happens on the Oasis, and business happens on the Oasis, and so forth. The guy who created the Oasis, who's worth like 250 billion dollars, he dies, and he doesn't have any heirs, so he sends out a video that telling everybody, the, telling the world that he has placed uh, Easter eggs within his video game, and that if you can find all the Easter eggs, uh, you will inherit his entire fortune. Mm. Um, and so it turns into to a race between this kid who's like 18 years old and a group of you know super bad um, government agents that are trying to uh, to find all this stuff. Um, it is chock full of nerd and especially 80s nerd references. Um, so if you're a child of the 80s like myself, this is, just, I mean, it's just video games and uh, Dungeons and Dragons and music from the 80s and movies from the 80s and stuff like that. Um, and it's just such a, a very interesting read and incredibly well put together. Uh, it plays into something we talked about in our last episode about like the movie rights have been sold. I don't know how it'll ever make it to a movie because there are so many. I was just gonna say, there's. Yeah. This sounds exactly like it's gonna be a movie in yeah. next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's. Uh, it, there's so many properties involved that I don't know how they're gonna license all this stuff and make and keep it true to the book. Um, but it's a very well written book, very cool idea, and uh, I, I really, uh, you know, I really enjoyed. I don't get to read as many books these days as I would like, and so I, I made time to read this one, and I am really impressed with it. I, I liked it a lot. Awesome. And, and uh, surprisingly, I'm doing a little research here because I'm a nerd, and uh, he has. This was actually Ernest Cline's first novel. Yeah, and his second one comes out. Well, he just sold it, uh, so no no publication date on it. Uh, right. But he also is a screenwriter. I'm trying to see. Oh, he wrote Fanboys. Right. Okay. Yeah, which cool. is kind of an interesting little. It's it's a fun. Richard, I know you're not a, a huge uh, fiction reader of this no, I am, of this sort I am. anyway. I totally am. Uh, I, but I I think you might enjoy this. It's it's yeah, a fun stuff, fun book. I don't, I don't read. When I said I'm not into genre fiction, I'm not into like what I consider to be airport books. Sure, like, like John your James Patterson and your Grisham. Yeah. That's what I mean. Why I don't like that type of fiction. Sure. I read a ton of, and I love sci-fi. I love Vonnegut, and I love um, like really good sci-fi. Stranger in a yeah. Strange Land, stuff like yeah. that's really good. Is is I think really I, the uh, book I just read, Broom of the System, had a lot of kind of sci-fi elements to uh-huh. it. I think those can be really really exciting and fun. So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give this a shot. Yeah, I think you guys would enjoy it. Sweet. So the book's called Ready Player One. Good Correct. recommend, Brian. Uh, Richard Barden, what's your sure. recommend? We are uh, recording this podcast 
Tuesday, October 1st, 2013. I'm going to do a book as well, and I'm going to admit it is a book I have not read. I'm going to guarantee you it's good. Um, today, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's new book uh, came out, uh, David and Goliath. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote uh, Tipping Point and Blink and Outliers, and uh, first book in five years. I, w- I was really excited when Outliers came out. I got an advanced copy of it and got to write these reviews for it. Um, back in the day when I was a bookstore guy. Um, but uh, and love that. I wish I could have got an advanced copy of this one, but I didn't. It came out today. Probably started tomorrow. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend it because I know it's good. I've watched a lot of lectures on it already, a couple TED Talks on it. I love the theme of it. It's really interesting why. Basically, it's around, built around the premise why, about why having an advantage is never really an advantage and why David was really at an advantage the whole time and not Goliath using that as sort of a central theme throughout the movie. Uh, pardon me, the, the book, rather. But Malcolm Gladwell is great. He is an incredible... I say he's he's the best translator I've ever heard. What, what I mean by that is he takes very advanced uh, scientific articles and journal entries and things like that and just explains them in a way that makes it so interesting to read and it makes you feel smart. Like, yeah, I understand neuroscience now. I could probably get a PhD in neuroscience or MD in neuroscience. No big deal. And... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, because he's just so eloquent and, and keeps things uh, – I just think he's, a, he's, a, he's the king of nonfiction right now. Uh, and I, I, I hate saying that because he's so popular. And this book will sell, sell 10 million copies. And it's like the least cool – as someone who prides themselves on their obscure tastes in, in books to, to recommend a Malcolm Gladwell book. Yeah, talk about airplane airport books. <laughs> yeah, this, point. Yeah, airport nonfiction Tip, is good. T- tipping point not- is everywhere, yeah. Absolutely. That that I I don't consider airport nonfiction to be the same as airport fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that that is a valid, a very funny and valid argument. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I think these are a little bit. And what he wrote the What the Dogs Saw too, which is all his New Yorker articles. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recommend it highly. If you if you're looking to get into him, actually, you haven't read Gladwell before. Read What the Dogs Saw because my one criticism of Gladwell, and hopefully it will be changed in this new book because I've heard it's shorter, is he sort of makes the same point for 400 pages in, in that he could make in 200. Um, and so what the dog saw is it's a collection of shorter pieces. And hopefully this David and Goliath book will be just a shorter central point at all. But start with what the dog saw. Uh, and uh, I think it's, it's great on, uh, it's great to read. And he's also great. And if you're an audible member, it's on audible. His books are great. Um, audible wise as well. Uh, save yourself some time. If you can't have time to read, just pop in the headphones and all that good stuff. But uh, Malcolm Gladwell, David and Goliath. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check out – I like the title. It sounds, yeah. sounds good. Um, let's, let's – uh, let me ask you this, Brian. Where can I find you online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard Barton. You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barton. And where might I find you on these beautiful, luscious internets? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. You can find our podcast on the internet at badaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all our episodes on there. Find weekly recommends on there. And contact us on there as well. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we get out of yeah. here for this week? Yeah. If yeah. you comment and give us five stars, we will give a shout-out to you on the next episode. Ooh. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give us five stars, guys. We you know you're listening. We see the numbers. We're not idiots give here. Give us one star. Uh, we will send you a copy of Now You See Me Blu-ray. 
<laughs> if you, if you, no, yeah. If you give us five stars, we'll give you Now You See Me. We'll, I'll, I'll give you an illegal pirated copy of Now You See Me. Because yeah, you know what we should do is have a contest. Our listeners are getting high up there. And maybe do this contest in a year or so where we draw ten names and they get to come watch MacGruber with us while we do live <laughs> How about this? Here's a contest. If you hate Now You See Me as much as us, <laughs> let us know because we'll do a Now You See Me Part 2 episode in which you get to rant about Now You See Me. Oh, so that'll I like be, that. That'll be another part of our Christmas stocking episode, uh, our Christmas stocking full of the MacGruber and Rookie of the Year episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Man, lots <laughs> to look forward to, guys. Maybe we'll do an Ace Ventura podcast. <laughs> you can do that. It's cool. I'll I, do it by myself. I have no thoughts. Um... I'll let on that note, guys. Until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See ya. Goodbye. A Monday warrior, mean, mean, strike. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean, pride.